Welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. I know many of you have been traveling along the Lenten journey with us over these past 40 days. And as we've gathered together to study God's Word and consider some life reflections, I also want to say thank you uh, for your willingness uh, to read through this daily devotional called the Red Letter Challenge. And uh, along the journey, we've looked at five different principles uh, for growing as followers of Jesus Christ. Being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And today we are concluding with a final challenge, lived and spoken in the words of Jesus, sacrificing. Now, there is no uh, chapter uh, in your devotional called sacrificing, but in many ways, uh, sacrifice uh, is an overarching theme through all these principles. And so as we begin uh, Holy Week, we're reminded uh, that uh, Jesus' entire life was about sacrifice. His death was the very essence of sacrifice. And Jesus has called his disciples, his followers, you and me, to live sacrificial lives in service to others. So this weekend, uh, we're going to conclude our sermon series. I've invited Pastor Lori Boltemeyer to share with us today. Pastor Lori is no stranger to faith. She has preached among us uh, several times. Uh, and as many of you know, Pastor Lori serves through the Babyfold uh, Ministries. Uh, if, you, if you don't know about the Babyfold, they've been serving in this community for over 100 years. Uh, they currently serve about 1,200 individuals every single year uh, through 12 programs uh, with children and families uh, across 28 counties in central Illinois. And their mission is really about transforming children's lives through strong family and community partnerships. And we at Faith uh, believe in their mission and their ministry, and we've been walking alongside the baby fold over the past two years as one of our strategic partners. You know, during this season of uncertainty in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, it's so easy to become consumed with my own challenges, my own troubles, my own struggles, my own fears. And sometimes uh, it's most helpful uh, to move through a crisis not by focusing on my stuff, but by focusing on others. And this past week, as I was talking to Pastor Lori, uh, she shared with me uh, that for many of the children and the families, that are served through the babyfold, they view this crisis uh, in our nation, in our world, differently uh, than probably you and I do. See, long before COVID-19 showed up, these children, these families, had already been living on the edge. For many of these families and children, all they've known is struggle, trouble, challenge, and fear. That's what they've been dealing with for many of these people for years, even some of them for generations. So many of these children and families don't know where their next meal is coming from. Some aren't sure where they'll be living day to day. The world is not a safe place and comfort and stability are fleeting for so many of these people. The coronavirus is just another little bump on their very uh, bumpy road that's already filled with massive potholes. In other words, Pastor Lori has been on the front lines of walking alongside people in crisis. 
I can't think of a better person to share with us today some thoughts on suffering and sacrifice this Palm Sunday weekend than Pastor Lori. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them to Matthew 21. And if you'd like, uh, I brought my palm tree along. You can wave the palm branches uh, when we get to that part. Uh, But let's read Matthew 21 together, beginning with verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples did and went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of them, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this Palm Sunday a time to remember your great triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And God, as we hear these words, uh, these reflections of Pastor Lori today, and reflect on the scripture text and all that is going on in the world and on our lives, may the words of her mouth and the meditations of all of our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning, Faith Lutheran friends. Uh, this is Reverend Lori Baltemeyer uh, coming to you from the baby fold. Um, I wish I could show you uh, kids playing and teachers teaching and families uh, being together, but right now that's just not possible. Um, but I thought I would uh, start today with a little activity that you can do with your kids if you'd like, uh, true baby fold style. You've seen lots of hearts around your neighborhoods, I hope, people putting hearts in their windows so kids can go on uh, little heart hunts and there's teddy bear hunts now too and stuff. But um, as I was seeing these hearts in neighborhoods, it reminded me of an activity that I did with the kids uh, one time. And I thought maybe if you want to, you could do this in your home too. Uh, Simply take a piece of paper, make a heart. You're going to probably got one of those anyway. And um, as I talked to the babyfold children that I was working with at the time, um, we talked about how our hearts sometimes because of circumstances uh, beyond our control, uh, kind of like we're experiencing now, our hearts get a little bit smushed, a little, they're not, they're not perfect. Our hearts get hurt a little bit. And the kids I was working with, their hearts been hurt a lot. And so we talked about how our hearts get kind of rough edges. 
Uh, and actually, um, when we did this with kids, I had them actually tear the hearts out of paper. I, I cheated and cut this one today. Um, but uh, our hearts get hurt. People say hurtful things, do hurtful things. Um, hard things happen. We can't go to school for a while. I miss my mom. I miss my teacher. Things just aren't right. I, I, I want to play with my friends. There, there's just a lot going on. Mom and dad are driving me crazy. My kids are driving me crazy. Uh, there's all kinds of things going on right now. And, and our hearts get hurt through life. Just That's just inevitable. Things are going to happen. And so um, we talked about the hurts of our hearts. And they shared some pretty deep hurts in their hearts, too. I'll, I'll never forget it. But then we took our bruised and battered and kind of torn up hearts and we smoothed them out and I invited them to take some tape and talk about ways that their hearts can get put back together and they named all kinds of things they named people uh, staff people here at the baby fold they named the church Thank goodness they named God. Uh, my name was thrown in there a little bit too. Just different ways that people are used by God to put their hearts back together, to help them get through hard times when they feel a little bruised and broken, when their hearts don't feel quite right, when they're sad or lonely or in whatever way not well. There are lots of people that come alongside and help. And God is always there to help us. And Faith Lutheran, you've been a wonderful partner to the baby fold and our particular family that you're serving. Um, those hearts have been so, so healed by what you've done. But I, back to our little hearts here, uh, I had the kids notice that, you know, our hearts can get pretty smoothed out. And with the tape on it, they can get pretty back together again. There might be some wrinkles in it, that's okay. But from this side, you can't even see the tape. When we look back on what's happened in our lives, sometimes we might even forget that those broken places were there, that, that God has taken us to a new place and a new time, and we can have fresh hearts. So I'm going to put this heart up in our window here at the Baby Fold for people on the trail back there uh, to see that our hearts might be a little wrinkled right now, but we are still in full-on love mode. So thank you for that. Do this activity if you like with your kids. But now we'll get on to the sermon. Happy Palm Sunday, uh, which I always also think about. Uh, I remember asking one of the kids about Palm Sunday. Why do we call that Palm Sunday? And they talked about, you know, uh, the children gathering and the big crowds that came to welcome Jesus. And I said, yeah, but why Palm Sunday? And one of the kids said, because they were like high-fiving each other. So virtual high-five for Palm Sunday. Um, uh, and again, let's, let's be at a time of worship now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, it is Palm Sunday, and we give each of us a, a virtual six-foot-away high-five in celebration of the coming of the King. But Father, the coming of your kingdom is not what we were expecting, certainly what the people of their time was expecting. And I think sometimes today we want a shiny gold crown king to solve everything. But that's not the kingdom you reign, and it's not the people that we are. So, Father, as we come together on this Palm Sunday morning, remind us truly what kingdom means and what servanthood means, and help us to love each other now more than ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
So I'm going to read from John's Gospel. Um, it might sound a, sound a little bit odd. I'm going to read a little bit um, of the story of Jesus walking on the sea. Uh, but I want to put this in context with Palm Sunday. This happens um, right after the feeding of the 5,000, which will fit right into our Palm Sunday message. You'll, you'll get it as I'll connect the dots here. But here's the account of Jesus walking on the sea from John's Gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to read 6 through 24. Again, this is right after... Um, the feeding of the 5,000. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over to the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Actually, that word literally means I am. I am. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which, Je which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks, the feeding of the 5,000. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum to see Jesus. We're going to stop right there. We'll pick up the story later. But here we see uh, the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples go off into a storm. Jesus meets them walking on the water, and then the people are looking to find them. They go back to the place of the feeding of the 5,000. Well, um, I love John's Gospel. It's filled with miracles and signs and wonders. It, I, I, it's one of my favorite books. Uh, he, John tends to go a little deeper than others. He's always um, trying to get a, a, the under-the-message message. message. Um, much of his gospel is unique um, to the other gospels, so I love this. But also, here's a verse that drives me nuts in John's gospel. Here it is. It's at the end. Um, one of the last words of John's gospel, John 20, verse 30. Quote, and truly, Jesus did many signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written down in this book. Dang you, John. Really? A whole bunch of other stuff? And we don't get to know about it. Verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Why do we have the accounts of the signs and wonders? John tells us. So that... We may believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, and that when we believe, we will have life. So we have many, not all, of these miracles, of the healings, the feedings, the even temporary resurrection of Lazarus. I mean, we've got all this stuff, and we find today's passage wrapped in the middle of the feeding of the 5,000. And, and you know this story. I'll uh, just briefly uh, overview it for you. The multitudes gathered, lots of them, uh, 5,000 men, so probably 10,000, maybe 15,000. Think stadium, huge group of people. Um Jesus tells the disciples to feed them. Remember that? He blesses the bread. Um, and it's, it's so mind-blowing, you know. They're, they tell Jesus, you know, send, Jesus tells, excuse me, disciples tell Jesus, send the people away. There's all these people and they're hangry, you know. 
get them out of here. Send them into the village to get food. And and Jesus is like, no, you feed them. And they're like, what? you got to be kidding me. You know, we can't do that. We don't near enough food. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. And Jesus then takes his little, let me have what you do have. Give me what you do have. And he blesses it and gives thanks for it. And uh, the miraculous uh, multiplication of the loaves and fish. You know the story. So there's, you know, food left over. So this must have been an amazing day for the disciples, right? I mean, they saw this miracle. They participated in the miracle. Their hands were on it. I mean, it was it was amazing, right? What a cool day. They must have been so ramped up and jazzed about this whole thing. But I'm sure they were tired as well. And so Jesus sends the 12 um, in a boat across the sea to Capernaum. And he goes by himself back up the mountain. And the crowds with stomachs full intend to take Jesus by force to make him their king. Maybe that's why Jesus sent the disciples away, so they wouldn't be tempted to do the same thing. The people want to make Jesus their king. Why? Because he fed them. Because he can do miraculous things. He seems to be on their side. He hangs out with the poor and sinners. They would want Burger King. They're thinking gold crown, but they want Burger King. <laughs> One that will feed him, feed them. Dust gives way to dark. A storm blows up battering the disciples. They're rowing hard against the wind and waves. They're terrified. They get three, four miles out in deep water that threatens to overtake them, and there is no sign of Jesus anywhere. He didn't come with us. If he meant to come along to save them from this peril, well, it's too late now. Too late, Jesus. Just like with Lazarus's story, Jesus seems to wait and let us suffer. But you know that his delay is not deny. His timing is right on, for there are lessons to be learned in the storm and faith to be built in trial. Yeah? When have you felt that Jesus has been absent, indifferent to your pain, or too late? So just when they must have been ready to give up and accept their fate, they see a figure walking towards them on the choppy waves. And Jesus declares over the sound of the storm, I am. Do not be afraid. There are many I am statements in scripture. There are many, many be not afraid. Some say 365 times. There's a fear not in there for us, one for every day. But the disciples, I think it's kind of funny, they take him into the boat, like they receive him into the boat as if he needed help or something. He was walking on the water. He just stepped in. But anyway, they received him. That's the point. And immediately, immediately, they're at their destination. As soon as they drop their oars and physical straining and trying to control things themselves to receive him, they are home. I asked a group of baby full kids one time, I was trying to do like a get to know you activity and there was a new child in the group and I kind of wanted to just do easy questions, just kind of everybody get acquainted a little bit. And this new kid was, um, how do I put it delicately, uh, spherical, uh, quite quite uh, round child. Um, and um, I, I'm not going to use his real name. I will call him Pugsley. How about that? Um, and so I was doing a... a 
get to know you thing. And uh, Pugsley was kind of, you know, looking around, not sure, you know, if he's going to participate or not. And this is a kid, he, he got to be uh, rather uh, spherical because he, in the past, his family had controlled his behavior with food. He literally got a box of Twinkies to get on the bus to go to school. So he ate a box of Twinkies every day before school. Can you imagine that, public school teacher? So anyway, um, food's a big motivator for him, and it's a big deal. So the, the benign question I asked was, what's your favorite food? And we went around the circle, and kids were chiming in what their favorite foods are. And, of course, they said, you know, I love pizza. Another kid said, I love Chinese food. You know, kids said, I love ice cream. And everybody went around, and Pugsley, Pugsley hadn't taken his turn yet. And I said, so, so what's your favorite food? And he thought for a minute, he said, Buffet. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> well, the crowds who came to see Jesus the next day arrived at the place where the all-you-can-eat buffet happened. They were there ready for breakfast. They had seen the disciples go off in the boat without Jesus, and Jesus isn't there, so they head to Capernaum too. When they find Jesus, they ask, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus calls them out right away. You are looking for me because I fed you. And then he declares, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus wants to be so much more than our Burger King. <laughs> Too often, we are tempted to look to him to be our personal blessing dispenser. My mom had a favorite uncle who used to spoil her with things and activities and adventures. She called him Uncle Woodja. Uncle, would you do this? Uncle, would you do that? Uncle, would you? We want to hear God to hear our prayers over everyone else's and come quickly to our rescue, don't we? Tell me I'm not the only one. We want him to conquer our foes and meet our needs. We like superhero Jesus. A lot of times with baby fold kids, I ask them to draw a picture of Jesus. And many times their Jesus looks like a superhero. They put him in a cave and they have this idea that Jesus is going to be their superhero. We kind of like that too. Too often we seek his hand and not his face. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. David said, your face do I seek. Look deeper into Jesus, past what he can do for you into what he can do through you. Not just the hand, but his face. So I wanna fast forward a bit to Palm Sunday because here we see the picture of contrast between what we tend to want Jesus to be and who Jesus really is. During his last week on earth, Jesus entered the gate to Jerusalem to cheers of the crowd. They shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, a messianic shout. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they're waving the palm branches. And you know this scene. Um, and I, wanna, I want to uh, quote from uh, Joe Amaral's book. If you don't have this book, get it. He's, he's amazing. Uh, it's called Understanding Jesus. And here's we, we find this insight in here. When we read about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, have you ever wondered how it was on that exact day, at that exact moment, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem through the Eastern Gate, there was a huge crowd standing there with palm branches in the hands and waiting to welcome the Messiah? Like, good question. So let's look at it through the ancient Jewish lens of Jesus' time. It's Passover. All the lambs for Passover came from Bethlehem. The high priest would go to Bethlehem and find a perfect lamb. 
After the selecting the lamb, he would carry it back to the city and through the eastern gate on the 10th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan, four days before the Passover. And he would carry the lamb through the temple area. The people would gather with palm branches and sing praises to the Lord. They would shout, Hosanna to the Lamb of God who has come to take our sins away. This is why people were perhaps gathered at the eastern gate, ready for a parade of the lamb. The people were gathered to cheer for the lamb, small l, lamb, who was to be sacrificed for their sins. It's quite possible that the priest had brought the lamb for Passover through the gate right before Jesus entered. How ironic. Jesus is not recognized by the people as the lamb of God. They only know the lamb who is sacrificed for atonement, and they are cheering for that Passover lamb. It's also significant that Jesus came riding on a donkey. This fulfills the prophecy in Zechariah 9, 9. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes riding on a donkey. They shout, Hosanna, which is taken from a key messianic Psalm 118, 25. And it means literally, save me, save me now. Did the people wonder why Jesus was riding a donkey? For it was well known that kings who come for peace ride on a donkey. Those who come for battle ride a horse. Where's your horse, Jesus? Come on, be our king. Take care of our foes. Take care of us. Be our king. Where's your horse? Come on, take the city. Defeat the Romans. Come on, Jesus. Where's your horse? Let's do this. Be our king who will conquer everything and make us powerful and happy. How quickly the chants and singing Hosanna change to shouts of crucify him. From waving palms, yay Jesus, you're awesome, to fists of rage. How quickly, within the week, everything flips. Save me now, Jesus. Be my superhero. Be my Burger King. And Jesus disappoints doesn't fulfill that, it, it breaks my heart to know that I'm guilty of this too sometimes. Sometimes I'm seeking his hand, not his face. I want him to be my king <laughs> with the gold crown, all powerful and beautiful, so that I can be his princess with a tiara. <laughs> I want to see his gold shiny crown, my little tiara. I want him to be on my side instead of wanting to be on his side, doing what it takes to love him more each day, following him his commands to love God, neighbor, and even myself. He set aside his crown of divinity and took on the crown of thorns. I need to set my tiara down and be willing to be humbled, obedient, and suffer when necessary so that Christ can truly rule in my heart. The signs and wonders recorded in John's gospel have a specific purpose. John tells us so that we will believe in Jesus and have life in his name. Jesus didn't come to solve our problems. He came to forgive us when we repent. He'll let us ride out a storm or two, but he's always present and waiting for us to receive him into our situation and trust him with the outcoming excuse me, with the outcome and timing of it. Our life can be an ongoing miracle if we let it. 
So let's not miss the Lamb of God this Lent season. Let's look past the things of this world, the problems of this world, the mysteries of this world. We're never going to understand. We're never going to know. We were never meant to. But we were meant to trust. Let's look past the things of this world and into the next. For when we accept Christ as the true and only Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, we'll be there lined up and cheering. When Christ returns in final victory on a horse this time, with King of Kings and Lord of Lords written on his thigh, sword in his hand and making all things new, we will be there saying, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Amen. So as Pastor Lori shared with us, uh, when on Palm Sunday, uh, Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, on the back of a donkey, the crowds went wild. Palm branches, shouts of joy and anticipation, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And as Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, he was also fully aware that his life on this earth was about to come to a brutal, torturous an end on the cross. And so while he was concerned about his own life, he was even more concerned about uh, his disciples, his friends, his followers. He knew that he would be arrested and tortured, hung on a cross to die. His disciples would be devastated. They would be fearful. They would be forlorn. They would not know what to do. And they would struggle uh, to hang on to their faith in God, to have hope. And so on this Thursday of that week, when the Passover festival began, Jesus and his disciples sat down around a table uh, for the Seder meal, just as God's people had done for hundreds of generations prior. A meal which proclaimed rescue and deliverance from struggle, adversity, and seemingly impossible challenges. And so today, as we finish up our time together, I wanna to invite us to share in this meal together. The Lord's Supper has brought great comfort and peace and hope to God's people. For 2,000 years now, as the church, God's people have gone through struggle, adversity, and seemingly impossible challenges. We're going to share this meal right where you're at. Now, I've got a cracker here and uh, some juice. Uh, it's really not about the elements. So whatever you've got at home is just fine. Bread, cracker, whatever. If you've got wine, juice, uh, that's great. But given the circumstances, it's not necessary. You don't even need a, a fancy chalice. Uh, use whatever cup you've got. And I want you to join me as uh, to join the whole church as we uh, celebrate uh, what Jesus has done for us. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you uh, some time to get some bread and some wine or some juice or whatever you can find. And as you do that, I want to remind you what's most important in Holy Communion. The promise that Jesus is present in this meal. A meal which proclaims suffering sacrifice, and the forgiveness of sins. And in just a moment, as you go to get uh, those elements, I'm going to invite you to pause the video. And when you come back, you'll hit play again. And when you hit play again, we're going to prepare our hearts uh, to share in this meal as we listen to the words 
of an old hymn that speaks to our condition today. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I'm all alone, give me Jesus. When I'm afraid, give me Jesus. When I come to die, give me Jesus. Give Me Jesus was originally written uh, and first sung about 200 years ago by African-American slaves. And they sang this hymn as a way to remind themselves that in spite of the fears, the hardships, and the struggles that were so real around them, hope was still found in the person of Jesus Christ. And on this Palm Sunday weekend, I want to remind you that hope is still found in the person of Jesus Christ. So let us uh, pause now and reflect. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You can have all this world But give me Jesus And when I
A reading from Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, you will not, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And now let us pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, given and shed for you. And now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. I want to say thanks for participating in our Palm Sunday message this weekend. Have a blessed Holy Week.